everyone. Welcome to the Mere Disciple Podcast. This is Pastor Jeff Strong, broadcasting from Nelson, British Columbia. And this is a podcast episode that I have been avoiding. Is that the right word? Hmm. Maybe it is. I'm, and the reason why I've been hesitant to kind of hit record is because this is such an important issue to get right for Christians. And I think attempting to come up with a hot take and a really quick reflexive response is not wise. And as Christians have been catapulted into the broader conversation around um, racism, systemic racism, racial injustice, being offered and um, taking up resources that purport to be able to address those um, uh, stains within our culture effectively. Uh, I've really wanted to make sure I do my homework. Now, this is not um, this is not a topic that one can simply um, invest a week or two or even a year and then kind of come up and be like, hey, I'm done. Here we go. Here are the answers. It's uh, it's multifaceted. It's very complex. There's a historical component. There's an individual component. There's a social component. But I do want to at least begin sharing what I've been processing as it relates to um, all that's transpired in the wake of the killing and murder of George Floyd. We are being exposed to all kinds of um, images, advertisements, books, article, hashtags that are claiming to offer both a correct diagnosis and a just solution to the social chaos, the brutality, and the inequality that we see around us. And there's a zealousness to expose what needs to be exposed and to confront what needs to be confronted. And that's, in general, a very, very positive thing. I've looked at more videos than I would uh, have liked to documenting instances of police brutality. And I know that those likely represent a minority of interactions with uh, any community, whether it's a black community or another community. Um, But it's still really sickening to see people given over the authority to take someone's life and to use that power in a way that is exploitative, malicious, cruel, uh, unyielding. And so when these videos or these reports come to the surface, which more and more they are, I'm really heartened to see Christians, especially Christians in the U.S., wanting to get this right realizing there have been many times in the past where the church for different reasons uh, and where Christians for different reasons have sort of turned a blind eye to injustice and to cruelty. And 
are now saying we don't we want to make sure we get this one right we want to do the courageous thing we want to lean into the hard conversations we want to pursue the biblical mandate to to do justice and to love mercy and i i feel like there's this groundswell which i completely affirm to take a ruthless look at ourselves as Christians and say, is our heart for justice commensurate with God's heart? We have a big heart for a lot of things as Christians and every particular church is going to have its own sort of wheelhouse that it loves to um, live into as it relates to the kingdom of God and seeing the kingdom advance. But it's really encouraging to see and to have conversations around how do we as Christians make sure that we are a people of justice, a people of righteousness. However, I'd be lying if I, if I didn't admit that I'm really, really concerned about some of the ways in which we are looking to understand the chaos that's happening around us and how Christians are seeking to address it. And I am speaking specifically to Christians here. And by that, I mean, I'm assuming you have yielded your life to Jesus. You take the scripture seriously. And regardless of whatever other cultural voices are swirling around you, and even voices within the subculture of your church context, your particular tradition or denomination, you are at least seeking to go back to scripture and to say how how now should I live in light of this revelation? And if I follow Jesus as a disciple, what does he call me to? And what do those who learned under him teach uh, via the Holy Spirit uh, in the rest of the New Testament after the Gospels? How do we apply that faithfully? And I'm concerned that people who have that core commitment um, may be too quickly embracing not just ideas, but frameworks of thinking, worldviews offered by the culture. And unfortunately, many prominent leaders within some churches that are founded on um, I guess the, the I don't want to be overly wordy, but they are founded on ideological foundations that are, that can't be reconciled with at least what I would call even a very generous, and I, and, I, and I define this generously, a Christian worldview. I think there is a lot of Christians in the rush to look humble, and I don't mean look as in like virtue signaling look, like in, a, in the rush to embrace humility and to be slow to speak and quick to listen, as James says, that they are kind of imbibing and accepting the frameworks of critical race theory and social justice activism, both of which purport to hold out a correct diagnosis of the problem and a correct solution. And like everything in life, diagnostics is really important, right? If you misdiagnose something, you're not able to actually treat it. And what I've been concerned about 
is how quickly Christians have adopted the language. Um, and, and I certainly believe this is all well-intended. I, I think for most Christians, it really, really is. They've adopted the language and the, and with that language comes the uh, ideological framework of um, a political movement and a cultural movement, which is actually at odds with, in some significant ways, with the Christian faith. There are certain elements of it which do overlap, but I think more of it uh, kind of holds a dissonance with what I would call biblical Christianity. Are Christians anti-racist? Yes, they should be. If they aren't, it's not because of their Christian faith. It's because they are not actually reading and understanding the implications of the text. Front to back, start to finish, the scripture makes it very clear that everyone is made in the image of God. And part of the good news of what Jesus has done through his life and death and resurrection is that he has broken down what Paul refers to in Ephesians as the dividing wall of hostility between ethnicity and races. And he's created a way for every single image bearer, regardless of uh, ethnicity, to be reconciled. And he uses the language of, uh, and to form a new humanity where uh, the color of our skin our cultural background, our gender, our socioeconomic status, these no longer determine how we treat and engage each other. But instead, in Christ, we are brothers and sisters. We learn to bring the treasures of some of these elements to the table, but we no longer consider anyone superior or inferior to one another based on these factors. And so the church early on was one of the few um, institutions, as it were, and I, mean, and I mean that as kind of like a social infrastructure institution, where um, men and women could gather together and worship, where rich and poor could gather together, where Jew and Gentile, non-Jew, could gather together in worshiping and holding up Jesus. And some of these cultural or ethnic fault lines uh, or um, the, the, yeah, the, there were these fault lines that existed between some of these characteristics and they were really, really deep. I mean, you don't have to read the New Testament for very long in the book of Acts before you realize Jewish believers um, who had come to embrace Jesus as the Jewish Messiah had a very difficult time accepting people into the faith uh, who were coming from a pagan background. It was very easy for them to see themselves as superior because they were ethnically Jewish, part of ethnic Israel, and they believe in Jesus. These other people weren't ethnic. They didn't have the right bloodlines and ancestry. They had faith in Christ. That's, that's good. That's awesome. But they weren't quite as maybe pure or... Um, yeah, maybe, that, maybe that's the best way to put it. 
in Christ, any expression of injustice, unrighteousness, cruelty, bigotry, discrimination based on race can and should be thoroughly rejected. There's just no room for it within the Christian worldview. And this is why for me, when someone asks me, do I believe, uh, would I agree with the statement, Black Lives Matter? I can unhesitatingly say yes. Because to me, I'm affirming a principle. Now, some people get up in arms and they say, well, actually, Black Lives Matter is part of this um, leftist progressive political movement. And that's totally true. And again, I'm a little bit burdened and concerned at the amount of Christians who don't look into the roots of the political movement that they're supporting. But I know what they are trying to support, which is to show empathy and love towards a community that has faced centuries of discrimination and bigotry and prejudice and violence and all kinds of systemic um, oppression and setback and suppression in, in ways um, uh, subtle and not so subtle. And so for me, I have no problem saying Black Lives Matter. I think when some Christians are quick to retort, well, all lives matter. Um, to me, that, that feels, I mean, speaking for myself personally, that feels a little cringy because, you know, a number of years ago when ISIS was in the Middle East and they were kind of moving through Syria and they were taking Christian families and children's captive and they were crucifying Christian children and burying them alive and torturing them and killing them. There were calls for the governments of the West to do something to intervene on behalf of the Yazidis or other uh, Christian communities in the Middle East. And part of what the Christian church did without using this quote unquote branding, but they were saying Christian lives should matter in the Middle East. They're, they're a persecuted minority. They're facing unbelievable violence and wickedness. It means pure evil uh, being set upon them. We need to intervene. Now, in light of that context, if someone would have came along and said, well, there's lots of people suffering all over the world. We should, we should be helping everybody. I know, but we should, we, we, maybe we should have at this moment, a particular concern for the Yazidis. No, no, no. We should be concerned about everybody. I mean, you can see how a Christian, that would be frustrating because you're not denying the latter statement. You're just trying to say the former one, let's protect Yazidi lives, is something that needs to be foregrounded in the current moment. Racism has no place within a Christian's life. Discrimination. The book of James talks a lot about favoritism, the favoritism that can exist in churches especially as it relates to those with more money and more social influence. And there's a lot in the book of James that just hammers, hammers against that through the lens of as Christians, we no longer regard people from a worldly point of view. And so we seek to bless and respect and honor everyone especially those within the household of faith who are brothers and sisters in faith, 
but we our fundamental starting point position is whether someone is poor or rich, influential or culturally a nobody, whether they're a child or an adult, a male or a female, everyone is accorded the respect and the care and the love that, um, in a sense, their being an image bearer of God um, entitles them to. Where I think I'm concerned many within the church or within some churches are making a misstep, although it's well-intended, is by adopting some of these frameworks like critical race theory, which depending, maybe people see it as something distinct from social justice activism or one is a subset of the other. Social justice activism is an expression of critical race theory. I don't really want to go into what critical race theory is. It's a larger thing. Maybe I'll share some highlights, um, kind of like a TLDR if you don't want to do a huge deep dive. But I'm going to have some resources in the uh, description of this podcast that for those who want to kind of get caught up and kind of understand where some of this terminology comes from, whether it's if they've heard terms bandied about on either side of the political spectrum or involved in this decision or, or this um, issue, uh, you know, whether it's like cultural Marxism or oppressor, oppressed dichotomy um, or so, uh, social justice warriors or white privilege or white fragility. Um, these are terms that are kind of nested in these theories, which aren't always made explicit. But once we understand where they come from, I'm hoping Christians can say, I think we're actually borrowing a way of thinking about race, racism, and therefore its solution that is much more grounded in a man-centered, um, worldly uh, process than it is scripture. And I want to commend to you some resources, some starting points of Christians who I think are doing a really good job of facilitating conversations about race and injustice within the church and are doing so, A, trying to be thoroughly biblical and really careful and thoughtful around biblical themes and priorities and the broader context of how do we engage this issue as disciples of Jesus, while also saying we need to be aware of how the culture and some of these movements might be seeking to try to adopt us or getting their hooks into us, and we're just going along with their agenda, thinking that we're actually um, doing the right thing and... Uh, working for uh, working towards a more just world when we've actually just been co-opted by a movement who has taken our desire to do what is right, who's taken our longing to see justice done, who's taken our desire to honor God and to serve and care for our neighbor and our neighborhoods and redirected it towards an expression of engagement and activism which is anti-biblical and actually very, very destructive. So a few people 
to put on your radar, there's three that I have become exposed to over the last number of months that I think are really, really important, regardless of where you are on this issue, whether you're like, I'm just kind of wading into this or I've thought a lot about these things. These are three voices that I think you should add to the mix. The first is Dr. Thaddeus Williams, who's a professor out of Biola University. And I've linked uh, a video, a very brief 34 minute video on uh, social justice and a Christian's engagement with the current cultural moment. Monique Dusan has just sort of launched, and it's really gaining traction, which I'm excited to see, uh, a ministry called the Center for Biblical Unity, where she does a lot of teaching and a lot of podcasts and videos, often tag-teaming with theology mom Krista Botrager, and they do a lot of work around how do we confront and have serious thoughtful biblical conversations around racism within the church, but to do so in a way that leads to reconciliation and unity within the body of Christ and calls out the really damaging dimensions of critical race theory and modern social justice activism. And the last is Neil Shenvey apologetics. Neil Shenvey is a new apologist, which means someone who's not apologizing for the Christian faith, but trying to explain and come up with rational, justifiable reasons why one should embrace the Christian faith. And he's done a lot of work looking at some of the some of the kind of the, the, the deeper underlying ideas and um, kind of ideological legacy that has been building over the last number of uh, decades and even centuries that we're now kind of seeing spill out over into the broader culture. And I'll link to a presentation and interview that he gave with one minute apologist, Bobby Conway, which I thought was really, really helpful as well. So those are some starting points. Um, I'll probably have more to say on this in the weeks to come, but I wanted to at least get the ball rolling and to affirm that we, that the longing and the desire to confront racism, to confront injustice, to speak truth to power is absolutely commendable, thoroughly biblical. It takes deep spiritual courage. We see Jesus modeling it and the New Testament calls us to do that. That is a command uh, from the heart of God that we pursue justice, but we need to be careful how we pursue justice. We need to make sure that we are understanding um, the goals and agenda of the movements that we are aligning ourselves to. We want to do what is good. We want to do what is right. We want to do what is just. But it's important to think carefully and critically through questions like, how are we being invited to, to participate and pursue justice, reconciliation, and social transformation? And do those modes of precipitate, sorry, participation faithfully align with Jesus and New Testament teachings? How are concepts like justice or equality or reconciliation even being defined? Are they is there an overlap between what I mean when I say that as a Christian and what this other person means? Right? How are thought leaders or activists within organizations like Black Lives Matter or other social justice movements using those terms? 
do those definitions align with scripture? Because just because people use words from the Bible that are freighted with meaning for a Christian, that doesn't make their ideas biblical, right? I mean, cults do that all the time where they talk about Jesus and the Bible and uh, the spirit of God and they're, they're, they'll use the same lingo, but their understanding of what those are, are very different. And so there's a bit of a sleight of hand that can happen where people can kind of say, oh, well, we're all on the same page. We're, we're, all, we're all about justice. Well, maybe, but one man's justice is another man's violent tyranny. So let's make sure we understand the biblical definition of those words so that we can discern whether or not we're being invited into those actual virtues and principles. In the pursuit of a just and good and equal society, are there other New Testament principles and ethics which are being ignored and dismissed? And if so, why? So those would be the kind of questions that we should begin asking ourselves and, and not just related to this particular moment where there's just this swell towards um, this kind of activistic uh, push to move social justice forward. But this is the process of discernment that Christians just need to be involved in their whole life. But especially when the stakes are high, especially when we're talking about um, dismantling uh, elements of society that I think from a Christian point of view, it is not just unwise to do, it is unjustifiable to do. We need to be asking better questions and really thinking through what are our goals here. So I'm going to leave things there, but uh, I'm going to come back to this, I'm sure, in the weeks ahead. But check out the resources in the description of the podcast. Let's continue to follow Jesus. Let's look toward Jesus, who's the author and perfecter of our faith. Let's run the race with the desire to please him and to be discerning to the voices around us and always measuring and critiquing and being willing to confront those in light of Jesus and his gospel and the biblical implications of that for how we pursue justice and righteousness. Take care, guys. See you soon.